grade A fuckboy. Like, just. <laughs> like, uh, when you're gonna grow out of this stuff? Fuck you, Dad. Fuck out of my room. <laughs> You. It seems to be a sudden general explosion of mass homicide. Mr. Barlow, whom no one has ever seen. And you think? I think that an evil house attracts evil men. But if a house attracts evil men, why did it attract me? Why did it attract me? Why did it attract me? Why did... Hi, I'm Katie, the final girl. Throw away the cross, face the monster, faith against faith. And I'm Shaun of the Dead. You'll enjoy Mr. Barlow, and he'll enjoy you. <laughs> and this is the House of Screams. Tonight, we are starting off our vampire craze with the 1979 television miniseries, Salem's Lot, directed by Toby Hooper. We've got Rob, the cinema drunkie, Antigueta. So you can do nothing against the master. <laughs> Mac, the all-star. <laughs> For the win. And Dave Gervin. Back, back, holy man. Back, shaman. Back, priest. Yeah. yeah. Um, tonight, Shaun of the Dead here wants to start us out. Um, yeah. So I'm just going to show my hand right off the bat. I absolutely love this movie. Um, I saw this a long time ago. For the first time, I've seen it many times since then. Um, this was my first Stephen King book. Um, it is my favorite Stephen King book, um, and maybe that's why um, you know your first is always your your best, um, your favorite. I don't know, but uh, <coughs> it's what they say. I'm just saying, wife, dude. Oh well, you know, yeah, that doesn't that doesn't count in marriages. <laughs> good, not good, good save. Yeah, yeah. good save, good save. This this movie just horrified me when I was a kid when I first watched it. Um, the the way that the uh, vampire's eyes glow, uh, the just the it, it's just very for me it was it's the atmosphere and it's just very unsettling. It's this small town where everybody's in everybody's business, you know, and there's all these dirty little secrets and the thing that horrified me the most was the glit kid floating outside the window and the way they filmed that with the smoke and he's like just scratching and he has that creepy ass grin on his face and just it just it just terrified me and you know this isn't one of those films that you know it's doesn't have really any gore at all um very little blood um there were some some changes 
that they made from the book that, you know, really stood out to me, but I think it worked. And I mean, this is Toby Hooper. This is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You know, this is he's directed so many great films, Life Force. And, you know, the fact that it wasn't a full feature film and and we're going to get into that, we'll discuss, you know, what happened to it and why it became a miniseries. But, you know, I think it just has that 70s feel to it. Um, you got my man Hutch, yeah. you know, from Starsky and Hutch and, you know, with, with the tight ass jeans and he can't keep his fucking Jeep door closed, <laughs> you know, and, very and, and the movie's got its flaws. It's not, it's not the best Stephen King ad- adaptation, but it is my favorite. I think that's well put. Um, I'll just take over for just a sec. Um, um, I want to say, I love, I love Salem's Lot. I love the book, and I really like this adaptation. Um, came out the year I was born. Uh, that means it's really old, <laughs> 1979. Um, I, I really like that Toby Hooper did this, and I think you see a little bit of that TCM, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, flavor when we get inside the Marston house finally, you know, um, in, like, Act 2. Um, it has some similar decor to, you know, the house in, in TCM, you know, some of that, that, that charm, <laughs> that's pretty gross. Um, and this works without gore. Um, Stephen King at first really didn't like how they changed the vampires because Stephen, and I'm going to throw this in, um, he talks about it in Don's Macabre, um, his nonfiction book uh, that was written early on in his career, that he, he decided he was going to tackle the Dracula mythos. And this was his version of it. And so he had um, Barlow, you know, was a speaking role in the book, but in the in this this series, they made it more of like we talked about in Ed Wood. We got our sort of like gothic vampires, and we have our Nosferatu style vampires, and made it more of a Nosferatu style. But he eventually came around and said, "I really actually like that change." But um, yeah, I, I mean, Stephen King for a second book had the balls to take on Dracula's story, and I. I think you did a damn good job, and I think um, for this being, you know, a 1979 TV thing, they they did a great job. I mean, really, I can't nitpick too much. Uh, Matt? So, um, I mean, I didn't watch this when I was younger, so I watched it, obviously, most recently now, and um, (laughs) at first I was kind of like, yo, what is these commercial breaks for a damn movie? Because I didn't know it was a TV series. And when you said that in the beginning, it answered that question. Because I was like, yo, what is with these commercial breaks? Then uh, we got to the part where my man was trying to bag his wife cheating. And that kind of like flipped it into like, yo, I, I kind of digging this movie because he kind of went in. and Yeah. I kind of felt like, because me and my wife were watching and I'm talking to her, I'm like, yo, see, that's why, like, yo, you you, you bad, you can't go in there with a gun, you might do something stupid. And I thought he was going to do something stupid the whole time. And then he didn't, you know what I mean? And I was like, oh, man, that's a nice little, like, mental mind fuck to me, the viewer. So it put me in a new space for the the movie. And I have to say, for checking it out now, for something for 79, I kind of enjoyed it. That's good. Um, 
Yeah, I, I really like the moment where, you know, that we have that great Fred Willard moment, grab the barrel. Look at all the salt. <laughs> like, that was a great performance. Um, yeah, and then to see Fred Willard, you know, in just those silk boxers. Was, I, I didn't need to see that. <laughs> I will say, though, I did feel like the husband was a little bitch. Because, yeah, you put the gun in homie's face, but you didn't hit him. You hit your wife. Like, come right. on, bro. Like, it was 1979. I get it. I get I it. You, he they both would have got hit. Book. Everybody would have caught some of the business. I'm not a woman beater, people. I'm just saying, in the heat of passion, you never know. Yeah, I I was. It's funny watching this, watching anything with Fred Willard where he's not funny. I'm always expecting him to be funny because he's one of the funniest. Well, he he just passed away recently, didn't he? Yeah, he just passed away. Oh man. Uh, He's he's one of the funniest people that's ever been on TV. So it's hard to watch him in a movie, and you keep expecting for him to be funny. He's not really funny in this, but. uh, like Sean said, this was I think this was the second Stephen King book. It wasn't the second published book after Carrie, I think. Yeah. So it's the second it was the second book I read. And then three years later, he did a, uh, he revisited it in a short story called Jerusalem's Lot. Uh, it came out in uh, Night Shift in 1978. And if anyone listening hasn't has read the book but hasn't read that short story, they should go back and read it. I love it. It's written in that style. I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher the way you say this epistolary epistolary style where you're you're getting the story by reading other people's correspondence letters uh he did that with carrie where you're getting a lot of the story through reading what are purported to be old newspaper clippings or um government reports on the um event the original bram stoker's original dracula was written in that in that form where you're reading his letters i love that that really hooks me um like the mist his story the mist you, you realize at the end of the story reading the book that you were reading someone else's journal I just find that that draws me into the story so much. It puts you there. You're there reading this correspondence. I love it. So I'd recommend reading that if you haven't. It's not a particularly long read. It's really creepy. But yeah, Fred Willard and his uh, silk boxes. I love. I love um, that uh, Bonnie Bedelia's character. She has to explain uh, that she's a liberated modern woman because she actually speaks her mind. You know, it's on 1970. It's it's so 1979. It's just gorgeous. The hairstyles. The big right. But she almost but she almost apologizes for it. Oh, I'm you know, I'm I'm sorry. I actually speak my mind, you know, it's, and That's because she, she's forward for you. Yeah, it's, it's 1979 because yeah, like 1979. Yeah. Like Max says, you know, the guy finds his wife cheating on him and he and he goes after her and not the guy, you know, because obviously it's the woman's fault because it's the 70s. And yeah. and, I, and I'd also like to throw out that there is another short story involving uh, Jerusalem's lot. Yes in Night Shift called One for the Road, which takes place after the events of Salem's Lot. I actually like that one better. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that the one where they get lost in a snowstorm and they're yeah. someone's driving? Yeah, and I, I think I, yeah, I remember that one. Yeah. The car gets stuck in the snow, so the guy goes to, to rescue him. And yeah. It, it, I like that one a lot. It's yeah, basically, stay the fuck away from Jerusalem's Lot. If you see that signpost on the road, turn around, find another way. Right. Not, good just don't had. go to Boston or Massachusetts. Like don't go to New England at all. Yeah, yeah. like go for a ride in the car. And if anyone's listening, that's from there. I'm sorry, but they did really good accents for New England. They did. They, I did. Thought they, did they, they were heavy-handed on that. Ah. <laughs> but that's how it is. Yeah. Is. Um, Rob. Did you find the keys in a parking lot? No. <laughs> um. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I really enjoy this one a lot. Um, I saw this. 
I didn't see this when I was a kid, but I saw it uh, maybe in my early 20s because I've been wanting to see this for, for, for a while. And, you know, it's by Toby Hooper. You know, I, I got to check it out at least once. I mean, because Toby Hooper got classics. He's also got the, some 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 shit uh, on his <laughs> yeah. resume. But but he is but he is a, a legend. So God bless him. And uh, yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed all three fucking hours of this one. The 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 creepiness. I mean, I the, you know the 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 power to creep out. Um, it's still there, even though like you know it was kind of re- you know a little removed from the fact that it's a '79 production, and you know you by the time i got to watching this i experienced a lot more things in horror where it's less like it's not as creepy as it should be but you know it's it still it still retains the power to creep out like you know especially in you know, the little kid tapping on the window the, the, the that's a very haunting image um yeah very well done movie with a stacked cast you got james mason in there you got fucking graf orlock you got hutch you got uh uh, uh holly Gennaro, uh, you got um, who else? Uh, Juliet Lewis's dad, uh, James at fifteen, and you even got fucking uh, Joe in uh, from uh, the Facts of Life making a cameo, and 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 the scene where they're rehearsing the play in in the in the auditorium. The the the, the girl behind them is uh, Nancy McKeon from the Facts of Life. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, only, only me will, will fucking notice that because I love the Facts of Life. <laughs> <laughs> I love that show. Um, I always had a crush on Natalie. Uh, that that's where I started my 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 thing for big girls. It's my crush on Natalie from the back no, of no. life. No, Natalie. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm down. I'm down. Big girls. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. I, I thoroughly enjoy this movie. I, I especially really appreciate them like harkening back. I know that uh, Mr. Barlow was was written to be a more like uh, you know. Uh, more thorough role you know he was speak he had a speaking part in this one he's basically just you know just silent vampire or angry vampire but but i mean uh it works i mean i haven't read salem's lot but it works for me in, in the movie uh specifically that they use the they were obviously inspired by a uh, max shrek the uh, vampire design from nosferatu and you know if you're inspired by Nosferatu, you're cool with me because I fucking love Nosferatu, my uh, my favorite version of Dracula. I won't say my all-time favorite vampire movie because that goes to John Carpenter's vampires. But uh, yeah, 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 I, I really dug the shit out of it, and uh, yeah, um, I really, really, really enjoy the this one. Um, I'm gonna jump in for a second, and um, you know, um, Stephen King was such a hot property after Carrie. Um, like his his career just took off. I mean, it seems like an overnight success, but this motherfucker worked so hard since he was a teenager. So it wasn't really. But um, after Carrie, it was a hot property. So Salem's Lot, everybody wanted to get their hands on it, and they originally wanted to do a feature length film. And, the, and who did they tap to direct it? George Romero. And Romero, who was fresh off of Dawn of the Dead. Where, you know, we got our famous NC-17 rating strictly from that film was created. It was created for Dawn of the Dead. Um, And so, you know, we know Romero does not like censorship. You know, he was always that rebel. And so once they said, oh, no, it's so popular, we got to put it on TV. He was like, fuck this shit, I'm out. Um, He did not want the censorship of TV. So he, he ditched it. And I understand why it was not Romero's style. He would have gone full fucking on with a, with a movie. I, I'd like to see what he would have done with with this, but um, you know we'll never know. 
But so they got Toby Hooper, who I think did a phenomenal job. But I had to, you know, throw my Romero knowledge in there because that's what I'm here to do. Um, I also want to say um, one funny thing because <laughs> I like to find funny things in the, in the book. You know, um, because we know that they end up in Mexico, our survivors, and and they changed it to like Kimiko um, in in the the movie. And in, in the book, they're in a town called Los Zapatos. And anybody who speaks Spanish knows what Los Zapatos means, right? The shoes. The, sho- the shoes, yeah. They were literally in a town in Mexico that he made up called The Shoes. <laughs> and so every fucking time I read it, I'm like, they're in Los Zapatos? Like, they're in The Shoes? Where the fuck is, like, you couldn't even look at a map and, like, Get some inspiration and ask a Spanish friend. I don't know, man. Los Zapatos? <laughs> yeah, there was like nobody. There was nobody who spoke Spanish going, guys, that means shoes. They just right. went with it. Somebody, I, I guess, must have figured that out and said, oh, we need to actually give it a name that's a, a name. Yeah. Not the shoes. <laughs> it's like Manos, the hands of fate. It's hands, yeah, it's like, yeah, the hands of fate. Hands of fate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we say that. It's like, yeah, Manos. Those <laughs> are hands. Like, Manos. <laughs> Um, yeah, so it was Los Zapatos in the book, so I always thought that was a fun fact. Um, I just want to throw that out. Um, Matt? I think, Candy, you were saying that in the book, um, the head vampire had, like, a speaking role. Yes. And, like, spoke in the book. I never read the book. I just watched this, obviously. And I kind of feel like it works, because in the book, you can't really see, like, facial expressions are, like, just movements animation scenes and you're just reading you know what i mean and i feel like without him having a voice i still got the point across that he was like uh one not to fucks with and he was gonna <laughs> eat you up if he could and then uh secondly i think this movie became like like something i liked when the constable bounced he packed his family up and yeah. bounced <laughs> he kept it so real that i was like and my wife was even like yep we out. I was like, yeah, okay, we just going to leave everybody. And she was like, fuck it, we out. And I was like, we're, we out. <laughs> Too bad we can't that, stay. That constable was such a smart-ass prick, too. Yeah. Like, he reminded that, me of, like, a smart Peter Griffin, the way he was built. <laughs> right, <and> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was such a smart-ass. Yeah, that actor, uh, he, that's Kenneth McMillan. And whenever I see him in anything, I expect to see him floating around like he was not Dune. He was the big floating Baron. I forgot his name. The big floating pussy guy. I just, I'll always see him as that. Wasn't he also? Wasn't he also the the uh, the doctor turned assassin in uh, Naked Gun? Oh wow, I can't remember. I think so because I couldn't remember. I couldn't place his face. Yeah. Always plays a bad. Always plays a bad guy. I think. Yeah, I think he was. He was the one that he kept going through the fucking crashing through thing until he finally crashed on the missile into the fireworks display and it kept exploding. And Lieutenant Drebb was like, nothing to see here, please. As everything is blown up in the background. See, so ultimately, he's a dick, man. He's like, y'all, yeah. I'm out of here. Yeah. Because he's got one of those faces. You know, he's good for playing a dick. Shove yeah. his bag into right. his child's face in the backseat. We out of here. Come on. Yeah. And and before we <laughs> hand it off to Dave, to touch on what you were talking about, Mac, your first point about them, you know, going with the more monstrous uh, Nosferatu-style vampire the whole reason that this became a mini series in the first place was because at that time it was going up against two feature films that were getting ready to come out. And that was Frank Langella's uh, Dracula film 
and Werner Herzog's uh, Nosferatu film. And so that's yeah. why they decided to make it a miniseries. Right. And, you know, I, I just I think that it, I haven't it, seen it, any of those that you named. Yeah, I, I've seen I've seen Warner Herzog's Nosferatu. I have, yeah. Rob rolls his eyes because he knows he tells me watch Nosferatu, and I watch supposedly everybody else's well, picks. No, no, I, I told you to watch the silent version of Nosferatu. Yeah. And oh, told, that shit ain't happening. If it's yeah. Robbie, was telling you watch the silent one. Yeah. The black and white one. Right? Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. a Nosferatu that it's not silent? No, no, there's, yeah, the one in 1979 is uh, the, the Werner Herzog version uh, with Klaus if I watch that, does it count? Yeah, it's a thorough version of it. Yeah, I'm going okay. like, to be like Rob and say, watch the silent. It's really yeah. Yeah. Silent stuff gets me, then I think, you know, I'm looking at here, my phone. Here, here's, <laughs> a, here, here's the thing. The, 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 the official version uh, with silent movies, what they did was that uh, they were filmed in black and white, but they would tint it, um, the screen with lights in order to signify the time of day so like if it was okay. day it was nice. yellow and nine uh, at night it was like purple and you know so so you would have like so the official version would have those tints on it because they you know they're trying to recreate that if you if you're finding like a, a dollar store version it's going to be black and white so it's like oh it's at night and shit but it's clearly day and that was right. because they, they were tinting it for later <laughs> yeah um, Dave. He's, he still doesn't care. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I will do it one day. I don't know when. Uh, the, the cool thing about when they would film things in black, which just as an aside, like uh, you ever see those pictures of the set of um, Adam's Family? The way it was colored because it was filmed in black and white and the way it was colored uh, in real in real life to get the right shades of gray and black and white. It was really interesting. It's all these kind of weird pastel carnival colors. But uh, the thing that Craig Mack mentioned in the pre-show chat that he didn't know it was a TV movie. So it's got these commercial breaks, these places where they're obviously they're going to insert a commercial. That's a what I kept saying. Right. And a, and a couple of them come right after some jump scares. I think there's one where the hand comes up and it goes right to black. Oh, and I, for some reason, vampire being, dead bite. A, being a child of the 70s, I keep expecting the big red commercial to come on that. So kiss <laughs> a little longer. Uh, for some reason. That's the commercial I keep expecting at those parts. So I'm watching this horrible, you know, or the big when his head, big head jumps into the screen. Yeah. And then, you know, so kiss a little longer, <laughs> love a little longer. That's, you know, that's just something I need to talk to my therapist about, probably. But <laughs> that's the commercial that I picture in my mind. <laughs> well, I'm going to jump in for a second. And I want to say, like, as you guys know, like, I'm such a vampire fan. And in almost every vampire film, except with the exception of like Nosferatu, we um, got, you know, these beautiful pearlies and whatever. And, and these motherfuckers in this had the nastiest, grossest fucking teeth. Like, it's like, do they have the vampire teeth? Because like, you know, if I was a vampire, I'd want the pearly gothic whites. But this shit was just nasty. It was like yellow, decayed, gross. And in the fangs too, and then you 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 know couple that with the eyes, like that shit was fucked up looking. It was scary and it was gross, you know. So we managed to bring that across even with all the censorship and and how tightened up they were in the 70s. It, I thought it was really effective. So they did what they could, you know, without you know crossing the the, the threshold that they were not allowed to cross on TV at that time. You know, obviously TV's you know progressed. But, um, yeah, I wanted to talk about that. Like, I just thought, like, that was pretty effective. 
And uh, I don't know when the right time to bring this up is, but I guess it's now. Um, so like we rewatched this last night and I had I hadn't seen the second half because we would get to the we're old. So we get like, you know, this is like three hours long. So we'd watch the first half and then we'd be like, ah, oh, dude, I got to go to bed. We'll finish it tomorrow. But we actually watched the second half last night as well. And um, I hadn't seen that in like 20 years. And I forgot about the part where they're going to kill the vampire and um, the kid's hurt because he fell down the, the, the stairs. And so he's got the fucked up ankle because there's only the, the two of them left. You know, we've got Ben and we've got Mark, the kid. And, you know, they, they get counter Orloff and he's like, you know, taking off, you know, the, Ben, the, the writer is taking off the lid and, and the kid's looking at it and he's like, he says one word. He says he. And he's like, don't look at him. And he fucking vaults that kid <laughs> all the way into the wall and the shelf. I mean, it is violent. Yeah. And, and this is more violent than Barlow himself, the goddamn end vampire was. This motherfucker's like, I'm going to save you by kicking your ass. I mean, we laughed so fucking hard, and then we kept watching it over and over again, like, oh, my God. Yeah, we probably watched that 20, 25 times. Even when we posted it in the chat, I'm like, yeah, just record it. And I'm like, I won't laugh, and then at the end, you can make a go. <laughs> <laughs> Hit that table hard. Yeah. He got fucking launched and like then hard, like lost himself on that fucking shelf. And I was like, oh, oh my God. That's it's not even, and if I remember, it's it's not even clear exactly how he hits him. It's a real kind of quick edit. You just yes. see him move. And then next to the kid's just flying. The kid <laughs> got launched <laughs> into the and boards. So here's the only other survivor who's helping your fucking ass out. He's already <laughs> hurt. That's and called yeah. tough love. We, we call that him. tough love. Like, yeah, I'm going to save your ass, but uh, I might beat you up a little bit. Pretty hard, actually. That kid, there was no way that kid was getting right back up like he did. There was no <laughs> fucking way. He it's, out. It's the 70s. It's the 70s, you know. You, you had, they, were, they were different. He they treated kids different back then. Everyone behaves. Not going to mouth up again, are you? That kid. Like, when I'm going to shit on like, his magic. I have to kill you. That's right. He was. He right. The, the dad the was dad a dick. The dad was straight disrespecting that kid. Oh, yeah. shitting on his magic. Douche nozzle. Oh, the dad is a douche nozzle. Oh, I like magic. Fuck nuggets, for real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah I, I have yeah, that in yeah. my notes here. Douche nozzle. Yeah. I'll, make, I'll make a living. Yeah. Yo. Grade A fuckboy. Like, when are you going to grow out of this stuff? Fuck you, dad. Fuck out of my room. Because <laughs> Sean turned to me and he goes, "When are you gonna grow out of this?" I'm like, "Never." Never. <laughs> that, that's why Dad had the funniest death and shit, fucking Three Stooges style and shit. Mr. Barlow came up and boop, yeah, and Mark was a good son anyway. He wanted to get revenge and shit. He wanted to get revenge for a dad who was a fucking dick smack. Dickhead. <laughs> yeah. And and if I'll there's win. if if there's any nitpick I have in this film, it's that scene. Because you can clearly see when he puts their heads together, it's like so slow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like he like he like rubs their scalps together and they both yeah. yeah no. Nosferatu though. <laughs> yeah. So, another funny moment because um I guess I'm just on a roll with that. But like okay when the, that same scene where he's asking when he's gonna like grow out of the shit or maybe it's another scene where the dad's walking in being a dick. There's a couple of those. But he's like sitting there and he's and picks up the handcuffs. And he's like, so, uh, yeah, what about... He's oh, like, yeah, that's what we're talking about. 
And then he does, and he gets out, and he's like, you want to tie me up? And I was like, this is getting real weird. Yeah. <laughs> real weird. Hey, real Dad, you want to choke me out? You, <laughs> you want to <laughs> pick me up? Like, what are you going to snap He weirded his dad out, and his dad was like, oh, you're, what the fuck is going on here? No, yeah. I do not want to tie you up, son. I will handcuff you a little, but I will not tie you up. Absolutely <laughs> <laughs> That's a different Ooh. movie. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen that movie. I've seen that movie, too. Yeah, things just took a turn. <laughs> yeah, so that there's my Candy's little funny moments because I I'm I'm fucking five. <laughs> oh, but, you got, oh, but back to that kid. How dope was his bedroom? Yeah, uh, yeah, right? he had some great he had some I great swag. Like, I wish my room was that fucking big. It was yeah. a creation of his room exactly in the book. To be honest, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like I was jealous of his room. Yeah. Right. And, it, and if you could imagine, like, you know, Stephen King's always said, write what you know. And I, I bet he had a bedroom very similar to that. Yeah, right. it talks about all these famous monsters of Filmland and building those same very models. I would love to give that to my kids. Like, didn't the, the, the son have a similar bedroom in a creep show? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Joe, yeah. Joe Hill's yes. bedroom. Just like that. Yeah, so. Tom, the Tom Atkins, he was like, Stephen King was like, don't you dare hit my kid. Yeah. <laughs> Tuck in. <laughs> uh, well, we were talking about uh, the Danny Glick, the floating Danny Glick scene, which is one of the creepiest things. I mean, even even today, it's creepy as shit. And now you're talking about 1979 on te- on television. That that shit gave me nightmares nightmares forever. That that just the and the way that he's smiling. It's yeah. sort of it's it's like he's happy, but he's desperate to get in because he's hungry and the glowing contact lenses. So apparently they filmed that. They didn't want to use wires because it would look like every other floating you know creature scene. So they put the actors on a boom on a, on a, a boom crane mm. so they would look and they filmed it in reverse. Those yeah, scenes yeah. with the floating are filmed in reverse. If you watch the smoke, you can tell, which makes it seem even more otherworldly. I think that that's like totally iconic. That scene of that yeah. kid floating outside the window. And, yeah. and he's in his and he's in his jammies, you know. It's just yeah. even, they should have been they should have been like dinosaur jammies would have made it even creepier. Right. Some cute little, but that that's that scene gave me nightmares forever. Right, right. The iconic scene. That is. Yeah. Scene. People look if, at that and I don't even have to post what the title of the movie is and they know. Yeah. Yeah. They know. Yeah. There were yeah. there were three scenes in this film that that do it for me and it's that one, um, the scene where Mike jumps down on the coffin. And, you know, he kind of looks away. And when he looks back, the other Glick boys, you know, raised up and he's right in front, right in his face. Mm -hmm. And then and then the. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm the one the one in the the rocking chair. But and then and then the, you know, the uh, uh, Barlow scene at the end with the coffin when he opens his eyes like that. Something about that, like every every time I see that, like I I just I get goosebumps. I'm getting goosebumps now just thinking about it. Yeah, yeah, no, that 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 is the iconic scene uh, with the Glick boy. Like you, you, you go online and the people talk about Salem's Lot, and that's the one scene that they, oh, that scene with the kid tapping on the window, like trying to get in, scared the shit out of me. Like, yeah, that's the one that really just, you, you can tell it stood with people ever since, you know. And that's good, just that's just good horror, you know. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Mac. So I was thinking with that scene, like. I don't know. I guess I'll ask you. Like, I don't know, man. That scene, like, why did it kind of creep me out? Because I was like, yo, I wouldn't want to open that 
window. And I don't think I would. And I love Rob. But if he's floating there, <laughs> all sorts of crazy, <laughs> T-Fall nasty, nah, man. Like, that was actually a, a, like, a creepy scene. And I'm Let me in. 37-year-old man. Like, you know no, what I mean? You know- you know what it reminded me of? Remember uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the movie, where uh, David Arquette's floating out the window? He said, let me in, Pike. He's like, go home, Ben. But I'm hungry. You're floating. Come on. Get out of here. They always <laughs> use it floating in windows, though, like Lost Boys. Yeah. His yeah. brother coming in the window. Like, floating in through the windows or tapping windows is a thing. Yeah. It also took its inspiration from this. Exactly. Mm. I love Lost Boys. That's like... But that's the thing about vampires. You have to let them in. That's the whole point of that yeah. scene is he's, yeah. you have to let them in. That's uh, the, I don't know yeah. if I would. And, yeah. And, that's, you know, he was, you know, it's the eyes. You you look into the eyes and, and you get mesmerized, like you know. Yeah, you and get glamoured. explain that a little bit better in the book, but I think they were trying to get that across because you notice that, you know, some of them, like, they seem sort of in a trance. Yes. Like, And that's why, um, you know, um, our hero, Chuck's fucking kid. because he's Yeah, like, yeah, that's what I was just about to say. Yeah, don't look at him. He shoves him away. And I'm like, yeah, you, you kind of fucking uh, uh, Captain Falcon chucked that boy. <laughs> you, know what I'm you know who didn't open the window, though? The magic kid, bro. Yeah, yeah, he knew. He knew. He, he knew what was, what was up. Go away. He, he knew, knew what, was, what up. was up. Yeah, Mark was like, fuck that shit. Nah. He was supposed to outgrow. He knew about vampires. Yeah. Hit him with a cross. Like, ah. Yeah, see, I see a lot of Lost Boys inspiration. That was actually what it's going to talk about, inspiration. Um, uh, There's so much in the Lost Boys, and when we eventually talk about the Lost Boys, we can talk about that more. But, um, you know, the the window thing, and, you know, there are so many things that are in the Lost Boys that are taken directly from this. And then the people who know about it are the fucking weirdos into horror, like the Frog Brothers in The Lost Boys. You know, there's always somebody that's the uh, fucking uh, weirdo that knows. Uh, and, uh, you know, yeah. So, like like in Fright Night as well. Fright Night's another one. And we will be talking about Fright Night next week. So, yeah. um, we'll get more into for that you. then. But, yeah, for sure. You're so cool, Brewster. <laughs> You're so cool, Brewster. What movie is that? I mean, I'm obviously going to watch it. Uh, Fright Night. Fright Night. The original one, not the remake, but yeah. the original one. Which one? Which one? Before I fuck oh. up? <laughs> Fright Night, it's um, 85, right? Yeah, I think it's 85. 85. Yeah. Uh, it's got Roddy McDowell. It's got uh, my man, Chris Sarandon. Mm. Chris Sarandon. You, you can uh, name anybody. He doesn't know who you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> like, when you look it up, you'll see those actors. When you look at I'm Brandon sorry, Carl, man. Wait, wait. <laughs> wait. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, bro. Hold on, bro, bro. Um, the 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 girlfriend, uh, Amy, is played by uh Marcy Darcy from uh, Married with Children. Yes. Yeah. Marcy? Oh, okay, yeah. Boy yeah. face. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> yeah, see, <laughs> that's who he knows. That's who he knows. And oh, also the the main kid, Charlie, is played by uh the dude from Herman's Head. Remember yes. Herman's Head? Yeah. Back in the day. Show. Yeah, I love that show. I he was like also a, broke it down for a toddler, bro. Rob's yeah. got the max speak going on. <laughs> he was on, he was That's he was like also five years, bro. Like right, he was he a, knows. Wait, he he was also in Mannequin Two on the Move. So oh my uh, god, yeah. <laughs> I no, loved yeah. Mannequin movies when I was a kid, but I was also stupid. That's a throwback. Mannequins uh, like yeah. mannequins in the stores. Yeah, you never yes. seen the first Mannequin with uh, Andrew know. McCarthy? Nah, that's no. I love that movie. Oh yeah. Um, yo, yo, there was a 
There was a dude riding a motorcycle and he was blasting the fucking theme song from Mannequin. Nothing's gonna stop us! I'm like, oh! We're best friends, bro. (laughs) Motherfuckers in the hood and shit blasting Mannequin and shit. All right, all right. If you're on a motorcycle, like, by law, I think you're supposed to play, like, something badass. Well, well, of course, it's badass. George (laughs) Thurgood. I fucking hate that song. It makes me want to, like... What? Stab my ears out or something. No, that's a little harsh. I grew up in the eighties as a kid, and that song was everywhere, and it made me just want to like hurt someone in a way that I was hurting inside. (laughs) What song turns you violent? What are we talking about right now? That fucking Jefferson Starship song. Yeah, that's Starship. Yeah. I like you some Starship. Oh, God, no. We built this city. Hey, yeah. Knee deep in the hoopla. I finally got the hair for it. Let's go, bro. Like, let's go. You know what Sean does? What Sean does that to me is the one at the end of um, Officer the Gentleman. Love lift us up where we belong. That's like, oh, God. Yeah, man. Are we jamming tonight? We are jamming tonight. Fuck talking about Salem's Lot. Let's just get a jam session going on. Listen, I like <laughs> Dave, Dave break out the bass. Break out the bass, Dave. <laughs> so let's get it going. Get our karaoke going. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, a few shots. I'm all for karaoke. Absolutely. Sweet Caroline. <laughs> and I've been putting out the fire <laughs> with gasoline. That's a good. That's a good. That's a good song. That's a good song. I, I fucking love that song. That's a great song. Yeah. I love how we're into um, crazy songs. Just going to his first concert, we make a big deal about taking the kids to their first concerts, and obviously the girls are a lot older, seven and five years older than Ash. So Ash is fourteen. And he's going to his first concert in August, and he wants to see Corn, who I saw when I was eight months pregnant with my daughter. I was 20 yeah. years old. Um, so we're taking him to see Corn, and this the lead singer of Corn, Jonathan Davis. This is his favorite horror movie. Not so right. neat little tie-in. Um, I cannot sing Corn because I can't scream. Um, he doesn't actually sing. Um, I do. What's wrong with me? Back is the one who put me on the corn back in the day. Hell you yeah. are welcome. Yeah, I was. I mean, I was listening to corn when I was fourteen, and so our son's really into corn, and he's fourteen, and we get to him to his first show. And yeah, like, so... I was listening to corn when I was like fourteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so you know, it's it's cool. So that's gonna be his first show. But yeah, Jonathan. Nice. This is his favorite horror movie, so nice little tie in there. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, and then and then he also did the soundtrack for uh, Queen of the uh, the Damned. He Which did, is a and that's a dope song. Awesome yeah, soundtrack. Really good song. I love yeah. that soundtrack, and people yeah. are shit on that movie, but I actually kind of like it, even though I do too. I like. Know, I, I loved uh, Aaliyah in that movie. Oh, she's like, absolutely she, gorgeous. Oh my yeah. gosh, she was stunning, and that was right before she passed. Yeah. yeah, and and that was her that was her dream role too. She wanted to play yeah. a vampire. That was her dream Kasha, role. And she played the fucking queen of the fucking vampires, and she looked amazing. And I really love that movie. It got shit on, but it had it did have an amazing soundtrack. Yeah, um, yeah. Little, little I, had that, I had that fucking CD for real. A little mm-hmm. side segue. I got robbed of like a CD case out of my car, and it had like all my CDs, corns. Like most of their stuff, uh, I, I my taste is all over the place. So I had some corn, mindless self indulgence, oh uh, my God, smack, PLD. I, 
fucking Insane Clown Posse because I like some of their stuff. System has always been my favorite. So, like, that's, like, my high school. Like, you know what I mean? So when those crackheads stole my stuff, like, I literally, like, cried even though, like, yeah, we have Spotify, Pandora. Listen, it was crackheads. Like, I know y'all like, oh, how do you know? He threw a rock through my window and left, like, a thumbprint of blood and didn't take the $400 computer that I had in my race car but took my auxiliary cable (laughs) <laughs> and my CD case and my Ray Ban. Like, who takes an aux? It was a right. dollar, bro. Like, <laughs> were you jamming out on the ride away from the crime? Like, yo, like, that really crushed my soul. But because we were talking about music, uh, I like a little bit of everything, but rock is where I've always been at. Yeah. Yeah, we, we kind of listen, we listen to like a lot of different shit. Um, yeah, my, my tastes are very all over the place as well. Um, but yeah, uh, corn's a neat little tie-in. Um, Jonathan yeah. Davis was somebody I just really, uh, I, th- I, I like his passion in music. You know, it was very, it was angry and emotional. All the things yeah. I felt inside that I, you know, expressed because I was always been just a nice, good yes. girl, sort of, sort of good girl. You know, rebellious, but you know, within limits. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Our music will make you cry. Like you'll you'll be fine, and then you'll start listening to it, and then start hating yourself out of nowhere, and like I'm a bad person, and then you start crying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, like when I first heard the when I heard Corn's first album, um, I had the you know got the CD because I had a CD player or whatever when it first came out, and uh, a friend had just you know it had just come out and they didn't like it. They bought it that day and were like, here, just take this. I hate it because there was nothing like it. There was no music right. like that. There was nothing. So I went home, listened to it, and when we got to the last song, I like was hysterically crying because it, it just got me right in the feels. That was a yeah. fucking album yeah. right there, man. Yeah. Oh yeah. Make uh, make you yeah. shed a tear real quick. Just a little. I was bawling. Just a, was crying. I was crying. We were all crying. So, so yeah. if we talk about songs songs that make you cry. Little insight into me. It's uh, Don McLean's uh, Vincent. Starry, starry night. Yeah. That song. When he gets to the end, you know, this world was never meant for one as beautiful as you. I'm like fucking crying in my beer at that. Put <laughs> that on the jukebox. Yeah. No, I, I know how you feel. person. Music can get me. I know how you feel, Dave. Like uh, Queens Who Wants to Live Forever gets yeah. the- Oh, my like, God, yeah. yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. tears my soul out. That and, and, uh, and that and uh, on, uh yeah. is another one that gets to me. The, these are the days of our lives. The, yeah, because that was right. Oh. Died. Yeah, the, yeah. Oh. The, the, mm-hmm. and you know why? Because the song always reminds me of the video, and the video was done right right and, before he died. He looks yeah. really really ill. Yeah, yeah. And that last that that last shot of him in the video is shit. Like the song makes me always There's think. Like, that, yeah, yeah. You know what yeah. gets me? Love lift me up where we belong. <laughs> Yo, all the time, bro. Where the eagles cry. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, we are not even talking about Sam. I'll tell you what gets me is that fucking song they play on those uh, pet com- or the the. Oh, Sarah McLaughlin. Yeah, the animal commercials. Yeah, Arms of the Angels. Oh Ooh. my god, because that's oh. all I think about. I those commercials should come with a fucking government warning. Yeah. I was watching that and she sings that song about when she loved me when Jesse, you know, the I don't know any of you have watched Toy Story. Toy Story too. Yeah, and she and, and when Jesse's talking about the little yep. girl that owned her and then and Sarah McLaughlin and sings that song. And yeah. Like, she loved yeah. Me. I'm like, oh god. <laughs> I'll, I'll, 
quick story about my daughter. That's the first movie she ever watched where she understood enough about what was going on on screen to cry. So she was sitting on the living room floor watching and I was cooking dinner and I hear her crying. I'm like, I run. I'm like, what, what? I thought, you know, she heard herself. And I'm like, oh, yeah, because she uh, she finally understood, like, was getting, you know, cognizant enough to realize what was going on. That's a really sad scene. What a right. Oh, yeah. oh, my God. Oh. I'm getting a little verklempt. I'm getting a little verklempt just thinking. Yeah, we all remember what it's like to be a kid and then how we grew up and forgot all of our toys and forgot childhood. And we were in such a hurry to grow up that we didn't take enough time to. Yeah, that's that song. God, I can right talk now. about Toy Story movies forever. Like I got some shit with that. But anyway, let's let's talk about Salem's Lot. I'm so sorry. Um, I guess I'll get us on track again. Uh, <laughs> I only I only seen the first Toy Story. I've never seen two, three, or four. Oh, oh, wow. Wow. Stop it! Candy just went. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what I keep hearing. I took that was Ash's first movie in theaters. He was I think four when Toy Story three came out, and the kids could not understand why. Why at the end I was bawling. <laughs> because you know, and I, I won't ruin it for you, but they, you would understand, and you will cry. You will cry. Right, Everyone right. will cry. All the adults. If you don't cry, cry you're a heartless bastard. Adults cry. You're dead inside. It's it will it will fucking get you like really bad. You um, cried at the end of all yeller. Yeah. I cried at most things. Um, I don't. Um, you want to get us back? Yeah, on track? yeah. I'll I'll get us on back on track because I I want to I want to briefly discuss one of the best characters in this film and that's the marston house mm, yes. yeah. i think that you know there are a lot of films out there that that you know a house plays an important role as a character and this one definitely does um you know and that's what brings ben mears back to salem's lot in the first place is is the marston house because he's writing a, a story about it and he talks about like you know can a, a house, you know, uh, inherit evil and, you know, things like that. And it's it's a theme that you hear in other films, um, both before and after this film. So it's not like it's a new, you know, trope or anything. But, you know, the things that he experienced within that house uh, led him back to Salem's Lot and all of these things start happening and I just think it plays a, a really good role and actually plays more of a role in the in the book than it does in the in the movie. We get more backstory. Yeah. Dave. Yeah, you could probably agree with that backstory. We get more of it. About Hubie Marston, which I'm like, what the fuck yeah. is Hubie? Hubie. What the fuck? <laughs> anyway, sorry. Go ahead, Rob. <laughs> No, I was just gonna say that uh, you, you, I, I agree with you on that, but I think a lot of what makes that house like such an essential part of the the, the film, I mean the the the, the movie, um, is uh, David Soul's performance. Uh, he he really sells the the like you know the evil of that house and and how he uh, uh, performs this role. You know, I mean, obviously, you know, he's fucking Hutch. You know, so he's right. already, he was already he was already like you know. A big deal back back in the day. I know Di was uh she's a big fan of uh oh it's Hutch, you know. Uh I I back in it I I she had a diary that I found and shit and I read and it was just pages <laughs> of uh mommy let me stay up to watch Starsky and Hutch tonight. I'm like goddamn you really love this show. <laughs> <laughs> and of course of course how Dukes of Hazard was huge when yeah, I was, was a kid and I had like a nightgown of like Bo. Yeah, that was another show she she had in there. She, she was watching Dukes of Hazard and fucking Starsky and Hutch. And like, you didn't do anything else other than watch fucking Starsky and Hutch. 
What the fuck? You know, I thought I was gonna I thought I was gonna read some dirt in here and shit. No, she's watching Starsky and Hutch every fucking night. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But and how could you not love David Soul? Look at that fucking hair. You know what yeah. I'm saying? He wore Yeah, he wore the performance. Yeah, he was he yeah, he was whipping that shit around, boy. And those tight ass jeans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He didn't match seventies tinted glasses. <clears throat> The, the one thing that pisses me off is that he didn't match at all. He wearing a, like a green corduroy jacket with a brown shirt and light blue pants. That shit pisses yeah. me off. You, yeah, you didn't have to in the 70s. Yeah, nobody yeah, gave a shit about tight. matching. They, yeah, they, 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 they were flared out. I like their shit. Like, yeah. Can we like, talk about Fred Willard suits, man? Jesus oh, Christ, yeah. I was going for oh, yeah, yeah. Or yeah, the, the, mayor, the, the mayor's jacket from Jaws. Remember his jacket? <laughs> yeah. 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 Kind of shit. It's 70s. Like, that's douchebag. That's douchebag. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's douchebag style, baby. You know what I'm saying? When you see a motherfucker with that shit, he's going to be a douchebag. <laughs> right, no, right. Like, he was a teacher or a writer that had the patches on the blazer. Yeah. Yeah. That was like the trope. Yeah, yeah that's English, that was an, like an English teacher. Always an English teacher had those patches. Yeah, always an English teacher, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I wanted to, I just wanted to touch on David Soul's performance because I think he's fantastic in the movie. Like he, he really just like you know when he just the way he just stares at the house in the like beginning when he first encounters a uh, striker, you know, like he, the way he's just staring at it and you could feel like you know. The, the, his terror, you know, like he's absolutely terrified. And it's like, you know, to us, it's just a house, but to him, it's much more than that. And he really sells it, even without even speaking. He's just the way he's just like looking at it. He's just like, you can feel his terror. And I, I really thought that was great. And I think he's he's fantastic in the movie. If I can jump in just really quick before we get to Dave, um, I also have to say, like, between um, David Soul and James Mason, that's all the character we really needed here. They both just sold it. Like, James Mason, like, was just so perfect a striker. Like, he he was the, the, the one they wanted for the role. They got him. He was he wanted the role yeah, really bad. Yeah, he absolutely it wanted it. worked out. And, uh, you know, he was perfect. He was absolutely perfect a striker. So and, those, wanted... and those canes that he had. Oh, damn. Mm-hmm. Was when, when he was setting up that uh, his antique store and there was a scene where he's, he's – I think the constable – he's talking to the constable and he's putting mm-hmm. the canes – into the into the little cane holder or whatever and he's got the one cane that has the hand on you know what i'm saying it's mm. it's like a, the hand that's that's carved onto the cane like i, I looked yeah. at that thing and i was like that's that's like a scepter right there that's like something a fucking I wizard would be used that's the cane yeah, yeah that's the cane i want yeah uh dave and james mason too and this because through most of the movie uh He's a little bit, um, you know, he's running an antique shop, so he's a little bit, he's very erudite, very foppish. But then at the end, when he picks up that, that character, I can't remember who he is, he picks up by the shoulders and shoves into the deer uh, antlers. Susan's dad. Yeah, yeah, I forgot the name of the character. That It's like, oh, damn, fucking James Mason is bringing it here. He, gra- he yeah. just grabs him by the shoulders. Come here, motherfucker. That is so Toby Hooper, too, that whole getting impaled on something, you know, with the door opening, and he's right, that, that's so Toby Hooper. But yeah. what I wanted to talk, what I what I want to talk about was we're talking about the Marston House being a character. That's a that's a Stephen King uh, just one of his touchstones is a place or a thing that are just Im- imbued with some evil either either uh, through something that has happened there or like in the case of like Christine, uh, we don't know why it just is. And yeah. I love that. I love it. Evil. It just is. It, the moment it came off the assembly line, it fucking chops that one dude's hand and it kills. You know, it just it just is. And I, I kind of like that. I don't always need the explanation. I think 
uh, I went off on that one of our last shows that I, sometimes I don't want the explanation. I want to be able to imagine it on my own. Uh, but I think in the book, don't they get into the Marston house a lot more about what the, the shit that went on there? Hubie, Hubie Marston and yeah. wasn't he like a I mean, child molester or something? I can't remember. show, but we get more detail in the book. Yeah. So in the teeth, right. So in the one. So you don't really. Where he's where he goes in the house because they dare him when he's a child, Ben. Yeah. And he goes in and he thinks he sees Hubie Marston hanging there. And I think he mentions it here, but you don't you don't get that as much of this miniseries. I guess they didn't have time to go into it yeah. as much. I but. mean, they just kind of talk about it, but it's not the same as like the detail that we get in the book. And of course, they couldn't have shown that. No. And it's a great character in the in the movie. It's a great the, the the house is a great character, very moody. But in the book, you really it really is a character. It's like yeah. a, a living, breathing. Much like the Overlook or something. Yeah, yeah. the Overlook, right? It, it, right. It's just it's just it's evil. The place and, is evil. It draws it draws evil to it. And like what Candy had said earlier, you know, with with Toby Hooper, you know, you do get that Texas Chainsaw Massacre feel once you're inside because you've got feathers floating all over the place. You've got dead dogs and, you know, these these I I would. Yeah. And and the antlers all over the place. And and like what I would think is like taxidermied cats. You know, there's a scene where it shows like two or three cats. Yeah. Um, and it's just a very decrepit, you know, I think the first thing you see when they when when Mark first walks into the into the house is a chair with a whole bunch of like bird shit all over it. And it and all the yeah. feathers and it made me think of the scene in Texas Chainsaw Massacre where the girl runs in and she falls and all the chickens, you know, are in there and there's feathers everywhere and it's just it's very Toby Hooper. It, it felt like, you know, like sort of a fancier upscale version of the sh- the place in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. And and so you you realize once they get into the house like like this house is not you know, nobody's living in this house. This is just a lair. This is just a place for the master, you know, to rest it, you know, during the day. And, you know, Straker to, you know, bring whoever he kidnaps to feed, you know. Yeah, the kid at one point is walking through and he opens up a drawer in some bureau and it's just a, a drawer full of like glass taxidermy eyeballs, yeah. which is a thing that which I guess is a thing people have. I don't know. I've got the glass eyeball drawer in my house. Don't you? <laughs> yeah, me too. Never find the one I'm looking for, you know. <laughs> Never find the one I'm looking for. <laughs> uh, Mac. You know, I'm sitting here because like I'm watching it in the background, and I was thinking at the time when the scene came up, the douchebag dad, when the mom, when the son is rehearsing for his uh, pageant, and the mom comes in and she's like, "Ah, oh, you can't di- like disturb your father. He's doing his quarterly taxes." I'm like, "Who, who's out here doing quarterly taxes? Is that really what it's like in the '70s being an adult?" No. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just, yeah. I don't remember doing quarterly. No. That's kind of like had me like it's it, 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 it stuck me for a minute because I was like, damn, quarterly taxes. Who's this? Like, well, he was he was he's an accountant. But he's not he's at home. He's not working. Like, what are we doing? Well, that's that's he's his devoted. that's his. I guess thing. that's why he's a douchebag, right? Yeah, that that exactly. But me growing up in in the house that I grew up in, it's like if my mom came in and said you need to be quiet because your dad's doing something, I was thinking I'm about to get my ass beat, so I better be quiet. Like that's where I grew up. Uh, like, uh, I didn't. Like, I didn't have a, a father in my household. It's like, don't so, father. He's gonna come up and beat your ass. Nah, like my mom worked for the state, so she did her nine to five. When she came home, work was left at the door. Like, you know what I mean? And that's kind of how it is with me. I work my nine to five. When I come home, work is left at like at the door. It's so it's, yeah. 
It always yeah. throws me off when it's like, oh, don't bother your father. He's doing his quarterly taxes. Like, damn, bro. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. When my parents got home, room, when my parents got home, the first thing they did was roll the fuck up. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh no. shit. Uh, like as soon as soon as they come home and shit, you know, say, is there anything left in the ashtray? No. Fuck, I gotta roll. And they roll that <laughs> shit up. <laughs> Pop, Poppy in the back room and shit, fucking watching Knicks games and shit, whatever. Mommy sitting on the computer playing solitaire, watching her fucking telenovelas and all that shit. And they just high out their minds and shit. And I'm like, eh, I thought that was normal and shit. And like that's motherfuckers crazy. is doing taxes at the house and shit. I'm like, oh, that's what they, the all American family was doing. Right, like, <laughs> like is that the picture of the all American family? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. that's that's what that's what motherfuckers are gonna talk about trying to go back to and shit, doing taxes at the house. Like there was always a bong there. Like it was like it was almost like part of the decor because you know when parents came home and they fucking got lit, man. <laughs> I thought that's what parents did. Yeah. Now nah, nah, my mom tried. She tried to hide that shit. <laughs> nah. She tried. She tried. Unless you're smoking a 15, my mom was like, "Hey, you want you, you got some you got some bud? You want to smoke some with me?" Oh uh, no! Nah. Like, out my my bong, which was way cooler than hers. I didn't yeah. know. Like, I, I, I was like an adult. Yeah. The we didn't have no bongs laying around, but we damn sure had packs of bamboo laying all over. Well, when I, when, and like it's funny because like I asked Rob and our other friends, I was the guy who brought around spoons are like yeah. bowls and they're always like what's this crack here? i'm smoking crack i'm like no you ain't smoking crack man you're smoking <laughs> yeah. like, what yeah. are you talking about yo sir remember when and we was on the clear glass remember like, oh we... no this is a stem bro yo I'm remember like, when yo. you and me and preem were on the stoop of 205 and shit and you brought that shit out we didn't have no papers to smoke and me and preem was mad embarrassed to smoke. we smoked with our back turned to the street because we didn't want nobody <laughs> to see us look like we were smoking out of fucking crackhead pipe and shit <laughs> <laughs> we was mad embarrassed <laughs> like, mad embarrassed dude i can't i can't that whole that whole thing about about being macgyver when you want to smoke like that shit's real. I've I've smoked out I've smoked out of vegetables. I've smoked Hell out yeah. of yeah. Hell yeah. That was mad. Can when we didn't have anything else, we smoked out of a can. We we'd like take the can, poke some holes in it, fucking snuck that. Shit. I was the master out of taking a piece of tin foil and a pencil and making a pipe out of it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 That, that shit'll work. That shit'll work. Yeah. My, yeah. My uncle's the one who taught me the can shit. Joints, but like her joints to this day were the best rolled fucking joints I ever smoked. Not too tight. They were not. They were perfect. You didn't get any butt in your mouth. Like that shit was perfect. Bob rolls the best. Uh, the best little bats. I don't know why he made them so short. That shit used to piss me the yeah. fuck off. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> much. Yeah. I told. I told. Way blood, too much. We get a blunt and he'll be done and it's like that and I'm like, yeah. wait. Yeah. Where's the blunt? <laughs> yeah. The shit, the shit would be like a fucking stogie and shit, like one of, like the <laughs> stogie, like shit. George t- Bird smoking yeah, shit. Yeah, I, 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 I tore off. Going around at a party, you'd be so fucked up. Yeah, I used to tear off way too much leaf. I used to tear off way too much leaf. I used to hate and, it. You, you get to perfect your crafts. Yeah. yeah. She got you high though, motherfucker. So stop complaining. <laughs> and then you would clip it, like, oh, you reached the perfect highness. Clip. Save this for later. I used to be like, what the fuck are you doing, bro? I used to hate shit. that shit. <laughs> especially, when I turn, especially when I turned it off unexpectedly and you're like, yo, what you doing? What do you mean? Like, why are you turning the blunt off? 
What are you talking about? What are you like, talking right about? And I'm turning it like, off I'm right in front of his face. face. <laughs> I'm turning it all the time. <laughs> Why are you turning the phone off? Like, like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I'm turning it off right in front of his, right in his face. I'm turning it off. <laughs> He's like, you know what? Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. Fuck you. <laughs> back into the movie for just a sec um like <laughs> there's so many great like vampire performances but i gotta say like one of my favorite moments is the one that that mac uses as his backdrop when the, the when we got mike in, in the fucking rocking chair mm-hmm. you hear that rocking chair going and he gets up there and he's just still fucking rocking i mean it is really eerie and creepy and he just makes such a great fucking vampire I just I thought, thought that like, noise the whole was transformation. extra. Yeah. And then when he actually is a vampire, like he gave a massively great performance yeah. as a vampire. I mean, everybody like the iconic, you know, uh, of course, Barlow. And we've got, you know, the, the, the Glick kids. But I really like Mike. And I think he needs a shout out. Like he was great. Oh, yeah. 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 Juliet Lewis' dad was, uh, was fantastic. Uh, Clark Griswold. <laughs> Nobody you got know that what one. Death, I, 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 felt, I felt bad for um, Suzanne's dad. Yeah. When he, got, when he got thrown up on the, the antlers, I, yeah. even my wife was like, aw. I was like, oh yeah, man. He was cool as fuck. Yeah, he was cool as hell. And for a TV for a TV show, they had lingered on that shot a while. Him, him yeah. hanging there, they they lingered on it I mean, kind of a long time. Pretty empty for 1979. Yeah, that was that yeah, was about the I, only gore, the only blood that you you really got. Yeah, mm-hmm. except for like that one little drop or whatever. The time the the blood spills. Yeah. Like kids. Yeah. But I mean, even that was like some watery shit. It was yeah. like water with some red food coloring in it. it did not. Even look when gore. the dad pressed uh, the daughter's uh, man, the writer. Is like, yo, you were on the lakeside. Can we be a little bit more discreet? Like, I know yeah. you're you trying to smash, but come on now. Like, <laughs> Even though the daughter's like 30, 30 years old. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I was, I was saying, I was saying that earlier to Diane. Shit, me and her we were watching it. And I'm like, uh, when they, when they're leaving and uh, the parents stay on the uh, the, the porch yeah. and shit for a second, I was like, okay, you know, <laughs> okay, you can go inside now. Try to tongue down your daughter, maybe touch on her titties and shit a little bit. Yeah, I could go back in the house now. Like, you know. <laughs> They're like mad awkward and shit. They try to walk away and they keep looking back like these motherfuckers are still there. Like go yeah. away. Yeah. <laughs> the dad but, kept but, it real. Take but it that inside. actor, that rocking chair's on. I can't remember the character's name in the movie. The guy, the Wait, rocking. Mike, Mike Ryerson. But but that oh, I just had it. That actor. Uh, Jeffrey Lewis. Name. Jeffrey yeah, Lewis. he's he is a, just a woefully. He was just he was in a lot of movies, but never. In the four, he was always like a background player. He was in every Clint Eastwood movie. He was in in High Plains Drifter. He was uh, Stacy Bridges. He was like the ultimate crazy motherfucker in that. He's a great, great character actor. And he brings it in this scene because he's got that kind of hound dog face and the Mm -hmm. fucking vampire comb over. And he's just hissing, look at me. Look at me. Yeah, Yeah, he's just really... And he's such a great... He's such a great... uh, Such a great character actor. I loved everything he was in. I always remember him from a uh, double impact, the with, with Van Dam. He was a uh, he was the like the the one that took care of uh which was a uh, Chad, which was the the fancy Van Dam, not the Alex who was uh, the Van Dam that grew up in Hong Kong. He's the he's the one where the, the the ladies hitting on him in the in the bar right before they're about to do their little mission thing, and she goes, "You're a very handsome man, like Sean Connery." And he's like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's got a great. He was in all the, those orangutan, those uh, Clint Eastwood monkey movies. What was it? Every which oh, every which but loose, yeah. 
Yeah, he's a, he's just great. Just a great everything he's in. I'm always happy to see him because you know he's going to at least do a great job. Yeah, he was fantastic. You're a resident Misty. Um, I had to point this out to Sean because he's not as much of a Misty. Like, I've been a Misty since I was 11. I know you've been a Misty for a long time. So, Mystery Science Theater time. Um, I like to throw this out when we have some connections. Um, Eva, who runs the boarding house, is from Swamp Diamonds. Um, oh, my God, really? She, do, you, do you know who I'm talking about now? She was yeah, no, Swamp she Diamonds is not an episode I've watched oh, all that often. It? It's one of yeah. my favorite episodes. It's one of the ones I've missed. She's the main one of the gang. Um, you know, we got the the female cop who gets into the jail to go get the, yeah. the diamonds, and 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 Eva, the, the I can't remember the actress's name, and I feel so bad, but um, I will look it up. But um, but she was the main um, the runner of the female gang that knew where the diamonds were, and she ends up making the friendship with the female cop, and at the end, you know, they're of course at like a mortal battle, um, because they were a friendship, but you know, sort of like in a uh, Marie Windsor. That's her name, but she, uh, watch Swamp Diamonds again, and you're gonna look at that face because she's a very distinctive face, and you're gonna go, "Oh my god!" And also, you're gonna thank me for having you revisit an episode and reappreciate it because it's it's a fucking hilarious episode. Um, to me, it was right when Joel was really on fire. Um, yeah, that's a Roger Corman joint. Yeah, it feels like an Ed Wood. It feels like Ed Wood had something to do with that because he's got this guy tied up out in the woods with a bunch of women, kind of like um, the yeah. Violent Years. Is it, yes. Which is an Edward yes. joint, yeah. Uh, I, mean, I, I don't, I don't like Roger Corman as a person, but I do like the Swamp Diamonds uh, film. It's also there's another title to the film. Uh, Swamp it, Women. Swamp Women, something, yeah, something like that. But yeah, revisit the episode and tell me what you think, because I'd really like to hear your thoughts. But I love it. I think it's one of the just great episodes that nobody talks about. Oh anyway, yeah, I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the cast. Yeah, oh wow, Beverly, Beverly Garland, wow. And also, her um, weasel was played by Elisha Cook Jr., who was a famous character actor. He was in the original House on Haunted Hill. He was in yes, The Most yeah. Falcon, which I just talked about on the Cobwebs podcast. Um, yeah, he was. He had a little bit part in there, but he was a great character actor. Loved so him in House on Haunted Hill. Loved him in that. Yeah. He was also. He was also in Blackula. Yeah, he was. He, he was in like basically everything. He was a great character actor, but yeah. So he was Weasel, and then we have Marie Windsor, you know, from Slump Diamonds playing Eva, and she was great in it. She it's like she never ages. Like she was always the same age, and she had the very distinctive face, which I I, I love. I just yeah, check that episode out again. Yeah, but, I'll, um, I'll watch, I'm gonna watch that tomorrow on Company Time. I don't also, have enough people to talk about that episode with. Also, um, uh, the 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 Suzanne's dad, uh, Ed Flanders, is in uh, uh, Exorcist Three, which we discussed on this uh, yes, show. Yes. He was also in uh, one of my favorite movies, The Ninth Configuration. He's fucking fantastic, and he was a fantastic actor. I was, yes. uh, you know, was very sad to hear. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. This this is like I was saying, like I was joking around and shit by fucking uh, crediting them with uh, other shit like uh, Joe from Facts of Life, but the cast is really yeah. stacked. I was I was serious about that. Like yeah, This is a damn fantastic cast. Well, since we're talking about a fantastic cast and a, and a great movie, are you guys ready for Sean Shitty Reviews? Yes. Uh, so ready. Alright, because I've, I've got some good ones here. Well, um, of course. Of course. <laughs> the first one comes from Real Life Story. Gives it a one star. This film should not have been attempted. This was just much too ambitious a project to undertake, especially for TV, especially in 1979. There are no redeeming qualities for this film whatsoever. It does not succeed on any level. 
can anyone take David's soul seriously? Yes. What? That, I oh, can. That, that stings. Wow. Yeah, he's wrong. How dare you talk about wrong. Hutch? How dare you yeah. talk about Hutch, motherfucker? Those flared jeans. Give me that shit. Yeah. Right? right? right. Like, this, come on now. The second one's, the second one's from uh, Stanley Strangelove. Gives it one star. Drive a stake through this one. Salem's Lot is one of Stephen Clever. King's better books, but this film sucked all the life from it. Much like most of the other adaptations of King's novels, Salem's Lot by Toby Hooper is terrible to the point of almost being unwatchable. Why the great James Mason would want to be in this inferior production is beyond me. David Soul and Bonnie Bedelia are strictly lightweight actors, and they can't carry the film. Oh, what the fuck? Bonnie no. Bedelia is a lightweight actress? No, no. Right, no, right. No, no that, that is incorrect. Yeah. And James Mason about? wanted – James Mason jumped at the chance to be in this. Yeah. And he yeah. was great in and it. He, he, he wanted to be. He, he wanted to be in this. All right. Our next, one, our next one comes from aptly named Helpless Dancer. What name is that? Uh, with a one Ooh. star, a masterpiece turned into a disaster piece. <sighs> Seldom have I seen a great book Never. turned into such a putrid mess as this bomb. The makeup was pathetic, the acting even more so, and the spooky props were a joke. The only decent scene was when the little boy hovered outside the bedroom window begging to be let in. That was effective. The rest of the film was a study in how to make a really, really lame movie. I'll wager King was horrified with the thing. No, which he wasn't. Is he wrong. loved it. Untrue. Untrue. They don't even know their fucking facts. Fuck you. And 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 <laughs> we get to our last one, which is pretty short and not very sweet. Uh, from <laughs> Miss Raziel, one star, utter rubbish. This should have this should have never been dug up. The book was fabulous, but this garbage should be staked. Read the book and avoid this, please. Go get some damn tea and crumpets and mind your business. <laughs> just saying like come on now <laughs> I, I mean i'm one of those people you guys know about me and the books versus the movie but um i love the book and i really thought especially for it being on tv especially at the time that it was on it was pretty it was good i enjoy it i love it um very iconic it's important in horror history like Fuck those people. Fuck them. For a TV movie from 1979, you know, you have to look at it through that lens. You can't look at it and say, oh, it sucks compared to what they have today. It was a TV movie in 1979. Yeah. It it, it, it was. If you don't consider that, I still think it's good to this day. And a lot of people do. Yeah, Yeah, it holds up. It holds up well. Yeah, I think a lot of what we see and I had this discussion with with my boss at work today because we we, he knows we do the podcast. And so he asks me every week, you know, what film are we doing and this and the other. And and his kids are younger than ours and they're starting to get into horror. But, you know, they're watching all the new stuff, Uh, right? The new the new conjurings and, you know, this and the other. And he, he had asked me today, he said he said, you know, with all of the newer stuff that comes out, do you ever feel like. You go back and rewatch some of the older stuff, and it doesn't maybe hold up. And I told him, I said, that's kind of a tough question because there's a lot of stuff that I go back and watch, and it absolutely holds up. But then there's a lot of stuff I go back, and I'm kind of like, yeah, maybe it's not quite as as haunting as you know, or or terrifying as I once thought. And I think that's just a the fact of growing up, mm-hmm. you right. know, like like watching a movie through the through the eyes of a child. And then going back and rewatching it, you know, 
I'm, I'm basing, if I haven't seen something in a long time, I'm basing a lot of it off nostalgia, a lot of what, you know, what, what I remembered the feelings that I had when I was a kid. And so when I go back and rewatch it, I'm like, okay, maybe it wasn't quite as good as, as I thought it was. But then like something like day of the dead, like that fucking always is going to be great. Like, yeah. It, it never stops being great. There's a lot of no. films that never stop yeah. being great. But um, it, but it made me think kids nowadays you know, that, that are just now, right, like our son, who's just now starting to get into horror and the stuff that he's watching now, the newer stuff, and then they go back and they watch some of the older stuff, and it's it's too dated for them, you right. know, because they've grown up with the internet, with social media, with cell phones, with laptops, with all of these, you know, high-tech things and CGI and all that stuff. So when they go back and they, you know, like when we when we set him down to show him The Exorcist – and it ended, and he's like, so unimpressed. he's like, that's it? And I'm like, <laughs> that is still, you know, a terrifying movie for me. It scares the shit out of me. And, you know, but I, I guess I can understand for somebody who, you know, things have advanced in films so much well, that... What's interesting is the girls aren't like that. Well, be, I think because we started them out. Well, Ash was such a scaredy cat, he wouldn't yeah. sit down yeah, I mean, Yeah, this kid went from, you know, one, like... We try to show him Beetlejuice, and he couldn't even make it through Beetlejuice because it was so scary. And then a year later, he finishes The Exorcist, and he's like, that's it? Like, well, wait, you know, what? Kids are desensitized, too. He's making it very fucking difficult. The girls were so much easier. They were like, okay, yeah, I'll give it a shot. And they liked the older shit, and they liked the newer shit. But Ash is just strictly on this. Like, he thinks it chapter one and two are like the beginning and end of greatness. And I'm like, you know. Yeah, although he did watch Hereditary, and that's his new favorite film. I was impressed film. with that. I, w- I suggested that very highly, and he is a mama's boy, although he won't admit it anymore. He used to. Um, he's just in this phase where he he's not a mommy's boy out loud. And um, so I was, like, dropping hints about Hereditary, and he watched it now. It's his favorite movie, and I'm like, my, my work here is done. Yeah, the, the only thing about Hereditary, I don't think he was ready for all the girls in the treehouse with their titties out. I don't, I don't think he was, I think he was ready I bet, to I bet he, he wasn't. about nakedness. And he was like, oh, shit, titties. Yeah. Yeah, but not when mom and dad's in the room. Yeah. I'm like, dude, it's cool. We don't care. Yeah. It's fine. That makes it even more awkward. Doesn't yeah. It? I thought I was trying to be cool here. No. Like, no, no I, get it, I get it. I get it. I get it. Shit, but if your mom and dad's nah, like, hey, man, watch, watch the titties. Yeah. Watch yeah. the titties. Yeah. It's like, no, no thanks. When I was like eight, and I don't she's think I want to see watching Linnea quickly like stick a fucking lipstick tube in her tit, and I'm just like, oh, okay. <laughs> but I guess I'm a oh. woman. I was a girl, and she was a woman, and it's yeah, weird. Like, it's a little different. Yeah. Maybe my mom was like, yeah, go ahead, look at this. Yeah, if mom was in the room, titties would be okay. I don't know. I don't know how this works. But I'm okay with it. Um, I know he looks at boobs. I'm not stupid, and I'm okay with that because it's normal. I'm, never mind. I'm just. I'm, I'm trying to. I, I know how to be a mom to. Sorry, to greet sorry the Ash. Girls, sorry. but with Ash, it's like I. I don't know. I'm trying to. I had to pull back from being, you know, the the mama's boy mom, and 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 learn how to parent uh, a teenage boy who feels very awkward with mom. So I don't. I don't know about teenage boys. I'm, I'm trying to learn. Um, I mean, that's probably because you was never a teenage boy though. And yeah. my brothers weren't teenage boys either. They were more you know like who, who was though your husband. He yeah. Got it. And yeah. and and I can you know I can say you know like I said my dad was showing me horror films starting at age eight, and a lot of those films from the eighties, a lot of the action films we watched. Titties. Titties out. 
And <laughs> it, it, it was awkward. It was awkward because it's one of those things where it's like, should I be looking at the TV? Should I not be looking at the TV? <laughs> Do I, should I pretend I'm not my looking at the TV? My mom make me cover my eyes. <laughs> right, yeah. Pee. And my mom, uh, my mom would get so shitty that he would let me watch these movies, you know? And the thing is, is a boy is going to find a way to look at titties if he's straight. Oh, I, okay? I, I, now, I found a way. My parents are not interested in titties. Um, so, you know, I, I, that was another thing is I had little brothers, but like they were not interested in girls. So it was more like having sisters. They were very femme. And so like that, I, I think it would help me more had they been straight. Um, no problem with them being gay. Um, I'm queer. But it's just like, uh, I don't know how to parent a straight teenage boy. Anyway, uh, Dave. Just real quick, because I've talked about how I'm always jealous of you guys whose parents, you know, brought you into the horror movie fold. And I did not have that. I came around to horror basically on my own. But I, but so I don't want to. But the one thing to say out of respect for my dad, uh, who passed away a couple of years ago, the one thing he did introduce me to is fucking Monty Python. I remember he would uh, he we'd watch that on like didn't you have to get to get that on like UHF on the t- when it was like Channel 13 and and I remember so yeah he introduced me to Monty, which by the way is probably the first place I ever saw a breast on TV was on Monty Python. They had a couple of skits where a girl was topless. So yeah, not hard, but my dad. I'll always be grateful for that for him for him giving me Monty Python and SCTV too. He we used to watch SCTV and I Saturday Night Live. Like anime girls, so like I'm trying to just get in that headspace a little. But my parents had no. My they had also no. Into anime girls, so you know I'm I'm working on. Yeah, it's always really into anime too. Yeah, it's something I never got into. Anime I, I is popping, guys. Like yeah, as a, anime person, like I got a starter pack. Like I'm into like your basics but i don't know some of the they'll be talking about like some animation that i'm i've never heard of and i'm like okay so i'm 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 trying to be hip because i know some anime i got my daughter into anime but i just know like the basics what's <laughs> some man? i know you i know you got death note i love I know death you got note. sailing moon blood plus what else you got in your sleeve i watched akira once does that okay. Kind of I like Akira. Instead of Astro, I was going to name him Akira, but I thought that would be cultural appropriation for a white kid, so I didn't name him Akira. <laughs> I didn't say I understood it. <laughs> <laughs> well, on this note, let's go ahead and do reviews. Um, I will go first. I'm going to give this an 8.5. I don't like to do half, but I'm going to do half. 8.5 out of 10 kids thrown into the wall um, <laughs> I'm sorry that this is something I don't remember laughing my ass off about but I laughed my ass off about it last night it was fucking hilarious I don't know I don't, I don't it's been a long time so um I think this is solid I really would have liked to have you know that woulda shoulda coulda uh what Romero would have done with a feature film um you know giving carte blanche like he always insisted upon with his his films especially coming off of dawn of the dead that would have been really cool but toby hooper really shines here this is one of his iconic uh works and uh vampires are still fucking creepy um as we know i prefer gothic vampires you know know, more like romantic like dracula oh emos emo gothic gothic vampires romantic vampires love stories um and we you know we get a love story here i love the acting in this uh you know i just dropped a couple of points because um 
I, I think, you know, there were a couple of places we could have uh, used some more work, you know, especially with the time given. Um, I don't think it was all used like, ex like completely correctly, but uh, overall, uh, a, a solid film. Um, it still holds up to me. Uh, I, I have to give it good marks. And uh, yeah, I just, I really like the performances. Uh, James Mason knocks it out of the park for me. A striker, I cannot imagine anyone else. My One of my nitpicks is Father Callahan. Father Callahan had a bigger role in the book. Um, and he actually, if you read the Dark Tower saga, which is uh, Stephen King's magnum opus, ties all of his stories together, uh, those books, if they'd actually do a really fucking good series of movies about it, it could be like Lord of the Rings epic shit. But they did that one-off piece of shit. I don't want to talk about it. Um, where, where you took like eight books and, and did that fucking thing and left out everything good. Anyway, um, but yeah, Father Callahan figures in very largely because he said, uh, Stephen King said a lot of people wrote in to him and said, well, whatever happened to Father Callahan? Because in this TV movie, we only see him for a few minutes. Um, and, you know, that that was one of the quotes that I used. And I think Dave uh, kind of finished the quote, um, you know, the faith against faith. But Father Callahan ends up having to drink the blood from Barlow. And then he goes to the church and the church uh, burns his hand when he goes in to do it. So he's got this like cross burned into his hand and he runs away. Like his faith was not strong enough. And that was such an important part that I really wish we could have, you know, it would have taken maybe an extra 10 minutes that we could have shaved somewhere else to give Father Callahan that because he's so important in the Dark Tower series. Like three fucking last three fucking books. He's really, really important. And um, we see what happened to Father Callahan after he fled Salem's Lot. So I'm docking points for that. Dave missed that entire thing, but I did. No, no, I was listening. Okay. I was listening. Okay, so you heard me. Okay, so you know what I'm talking about because you read the books, you read the Dark Tower books, and you've read. Okay, so you know what I'm talking about. So I, I had to dock a little bit for that because I think it was important, and it really wouldn't have taken that long. A couple more minutes. You know what I'm saying? Like that was such an important scene um, there with between um, Barlow and Father Callahan, and it leads into so much more later. Um, and just having that scene where he tried to go back to church and the church wouldn't let him back in because he was tainted with the blood of the master. And, um, yeah, it was powerful. And um, so I'm not trying to be like too much of a bitch, like, oh, the book is, you know, I just that that was important. And I wish we hadn't left that out. But otherwise, um, solid. Um, yeah. OK, uh, I'm going to give it nine out of ten Jeep doors that won't stay shut. <laughs> uh, uh, every time he got in that fucking Jeep, he wrestled with that fucking door. But one time it was like three times in a row. Yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah. God. oh um, my God. This is awkward. Uh, like I said at the beginning, you know, it's my favorite Stephen King story. Um, and I absolutely love this film. Uh, I, the acting choices that, that were were great. Um, David Soul and, and James Mason are phenomenal. Um, I love what they did with Barlow. Um, it. it you know, it's it's some there are some books that the films differ so much that it's appalling. And there are some that they differ so much that I think that they actually work. And this is one of the ones that I think actually works well because it translates well. 
Um, you know, especially trying to go up against other Dracula films where they have like this romanticized vampire, which, I like. uh, which, which is enjoyable. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, they wanted they wanted to go a different route. And, and I applaud him for that. Um, you know, I love Toby Hooper. Um, most things that he touches, um, not all. But uh, I just I, it's a great movie. It's one of my favorite uh, Stephen King adaptations, uh, by far not the best, uh, but I still think it holds up well for for being, you know, something from 79, you know, and being a miniseries uh, like Dave touched on with the little the little commercial cuts. You know, it just it it gives it that feel, you know, um, I didn't actually have any commercials in mind when when I was, you know, watching it. But, I, you know, it, Candy and I, every time it cut. It was like right after this. And, you know, and, and so, I mean, it's it's just it's a fun watch. And I, I loved going back and rewatching it again. Um, and I love that I own it now so that I can watch it anytime I want. Uh, so, yeah, nine out of ten Jeep doors that won't stay shut. Awesome. Uh, Rob. Uh, I'm going with nine uh, point five out of ten uh, headbutts of death. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah um yeah this still ret- uh, retains all its power the even so far removed from it when it came out uh i i think it's absolutely phenomenal it's it, you know even at three hours uh it still commands you know all all throughout uh i will i will dock point for uh because as as, as as powerful and chilling as that scene is when Barlow comes through the window, him killing the parents with head having them headbutt each other is, you know, it kind of removes that power just, just yeah. like that, you know, <laughs> just like, Bonk! Oh, okay, all right, and and I'm out, I'm out of here, <laughs> you know. Uh, but uh, James Mason comes back, uh, comes into the room and rescues it. Uh, uh, and uh, yeah, Davis So was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, Lance Kerwin is great too. Uh, absolutely, Bonnie Bedelia as well. Ed Flanders. The, the entire cast is just great. I, I, I love this cast. Uh, Toby Hooper, of course. You know, the, the, you know, one of the four horsemen that we always talked about. Uh, he did just an incredible job putting this together. You know, considering the fact that you know uh, he had just gotten fired from from a movie, uh, the the Dark. Uh, which should have probably just ruined his career, but uh, he went straight into this and, you know, really saved him for the long run before uh, uh, he did Poltergeist and everything went to shit. And, um, but yeah, uh, also, uh, if I have another nitpick, uh, they, they're in Guatemala, Guatemala two years later. It's supposed to be two years, and they obviously, you know, they're, they're on the run and shit, but like they, their hair is still. Uh, they just, it's the hair is just slicked back a little bit, you know. And James still has just a little bit of a beard. He's got the yeah, little yeah, bit of a scruffy yeah. beard going. You think they'd be looking like hobos right now with the long hair and then so <laughs> yeah. the beard and shit? It's just, it's just, it's just brushed back a little bit. It's just brushed back. That's how you signify. And they, they just got a little fucking like dirt on their face, and that's how you know they've been on the run for two years. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but, but, but other than that, other than that, uh, I, I still think this movie's great. Uh, it's absolutely fantastic, and um, it's it's still it still holds up, you know. And uh, I I would recommend for people like you know if you're into even if like it might be seen dated, it, it, it's really worth it to check it out. You know, saying like if you want to get into like the footnotes of horror. 
and, and see like you know where we went from you know the steps we've taken in horror and shit from Nosferatu to Dracula to this and you know and, and so on and so forth. I really think is is an important piece to take in. So yeah, nine and a half out of ten, Three Stooges headbutts of death. <laughs> Definitely. And and before we can move on, I, I wanted to mention this, and of course, you know, spaced it until now. Uh, this was actually nominated for three different primetime Emmys. Nice. So, you know, I mean, it in, in 1980. So, I mean, it definitely, you know, it stood out. I mean, it, one of the Emmys, the nominations was f- for the score, which the music in it was, amazing. you know, yeah. pretty amazing. I yeah. remember what I did today for this episode. I actually used the score, the ending score, which I thought was really fucking amazing. Yeah. Sorry, As a matter of fact, my favorite piece is the scene with uh, Barlow comes through the window in the kitchen. You know, like as he's like, it's, you have this little crumpled up uh, uh, cape on the floor, and that. Yeah, like, that's a like, great scene. Yeah. yeah. And, and so the. <laughs> oh. oh, you ruined it. You ruined yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great scene. I was thinking that that was like a reverse Wicked Witch from uh, Oz, kind yeah. of like a reverse melting. He kind of comes out of that cape. That's a great shot, though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it really scene. is. Go ahead, Mac. Uh. I'm going to give it a nine, uh, nine out of 10 TV commercial breaks. Um, <laughs> I started, it started for me a little like, all right. But then as I got on, like I started enjoying the movie. And I think the scene that might've got me the most was when um Mars was talking to his teacher about when he was a child and he ran up to the house and he looked through the window and like I like was on the edge of my seat listening to his story. Like I was like, all right, yeah, he might have saw that. Like I felt it, so that kind of made it. That's why I could get that nine out of ten uh, TV commercial break. Yeah, you need to read the book. You get a lot more of that in the book. Oh yeah, it's a really great read. I yeah, think. Yeah, you need to read it. How many pages? Hold on, hold on. Hold on. Pages? Let me let, wait. Four hundred. I, I got this. I got this, Mac. He's not reading the book. Yeah. <laughs> well, we does, it audio. does it come in a manga? Can can we translate? <laughs> Probably. Can we translate the amount of pages in that book to how many like uh, uh, Twitter feeds that would be? That's two hundred and forty characters in a Twitter message. So yeah. probably about eight hundred, nine hundred. Yeah. yeah so you, you'd be good, man. It's just like it's just like reading Twitter for a day. I mean, they they got the stand uh, in a, a adapted as a as a graphic. I mean, I could novel. probably find it in audiobook. Macchio was responsible for the graphic novels of the Dark Tower, by the way. You should know. Yeah. And they're really I, fucking awesome looking. I could probably audiobook it. Dave Golden, Pony Boy. Ralph Macchio, yeah, he he did the Dark Tower ones. Okay. They're badass. The graphic novels. Check them out. Check them out. Oh shit. All right, Dave, what you got for us? Uh, this one, I'm going to give it also 9 out of 10, uh, asshat fathers, because that father, fuck him. Seriously, <laughs> yeah. no, fuck him all day long. You, yeah, know, you yeah. come up to your son's room, and your son's really into something. You know, he's painting the figurines, and his dad's like, well, that's not accountancy. Well, I don't understand. Hey, you know, you fucking jag off. <laughs> uh, uh, but a couple of things real quick I, I wanted to mention I did is that uh, the kid who plays Mark, uh, Lance Kerwin, was in every after school special back in the day. If you're as old as me, you remember those like the boy who drank too much and every yeah, yeah. every don't do drugs, don't drink after school special. Lance Kern was in those. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. what, it's got a it's just got a, I'm looking through this. Kid, what a great cast. What a great cast of of not just B list, but a lot of A list. I mean, James Mason, you can't call him anything but A list. Right. It's got some great jump scares. There's a couple of jump scares where um, 
where the vampire sticks his face up. You know, it's a black screen and his purple fucking befanged face pops up, scares the shit out of me. Yeah. And of course, the, and of course, the Danny Glick floating, that'll always be iconic. That'll never not yeah. be scary. So, yeah. yeah, nine out of ten asshat dads. Um, I love it. This is this is a good, an interesting point in horror for me. This is when horror, the 70s, when horror started to become like much scarier, at least to me. You had The Exorcist, The Omen, you know, Rosemary's Baby. Well, I think that was like 1969. But yes. when horror started, horror started to mature and become really fucking scary, at least to me. And this is a great uh, part of that era. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and I was just reading that uh, this this is one of those we talked about it before that that is probably going to get the the remake treatment. Um, it's already been remade. Yeah, right. yeah. And and it's I'm fucking Rob Lowe. And so what I what I've read so far is that uh, the it the writer for it um, Gary Jobbermine I think is his yeah, name yeah, yeah. Um, is is has been tapped for director. And the two people that have been eyed for for uh, the character so far, Christoph Waltz for Straker. Uh, Fuck yes. yes. Oh, oh yes. Lord, yes. And Jake Gyllenhaal for Ben Mears. Fuck yeah, Ooh. I'm on board. So yeah. I'm, in. I'm, yeah. I'm interested to see where they go with this. And James, Hello. apparently James Wan is going to produce it. Yeah, yeah, he produces everything horror now. Yeah, yeah, every, yeah. yeah basically. He's like the Kevin Feige of horror now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm looking at his. I'm looking at his, his, his resume right now, guys. A lot of stuff. I could, right? I, I could see Gyllenhaal as 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 Ben. There's I could see that. Striker though. Oh my God, yes. Yeah. That Hans Lanza. Dude, dude, he's fucking amazing as an actor. Like fucking phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. Word, word. See it. He's got that charisma. That almost. Au revoir, Shoshana. You know. <laughs> So this is the time for plugs. Um, to take the heat off Rob, I, I just go first. But before I go into my plugs, um, I am going to uh, just give Blake an update on what's coming up. Uh, we are doing basically vampires this month. Uh, probably will be released out of order, so it doesn't fucking matter. But I'm gonna <laughs> say it anyway. Um, we've got Fright Night as our next episode. We're after that, we've got From Dust Till Dawn with uh, some returning friends. Um, we've got Interview with the Vampire, which everybody is going to shit on, but me and Jenna. <laughs> no, maybe. no, I'm not, I'm not shitting on that. Uh-uh. Which one? <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, we've got a lot of vampire-related stuff. Interview with the Vampire. Um, oh. I love. I have some great stories with that. Jenna's going to be an, uh, a, a returning guest for that, um, and maybe Erica will be on our team, too. Because uh, everybody else wants to go, um, no. But I like got... interview with the vampire, though. Yeah. Okay, good. Thank you. I was afraid I was going to have to fight my way through. Like, I was just going <laughs> to take know, a, a scimitar in. and just slice it, it out. Is it my boy in that, Rob? Yeah, he is. He is. Oh, that's I love that movie, then. I, I remember that was one of the movies I used to watch all the time, and my mother thought I was a weirdo because that, that, very, yeah. that scene, that scene where little... Brad where Brad Pitt and Antonio Banderas uh, are talking, and like, he gets a little too close to him. Yeah. My, mom, my mom was like, "What? What?" Like she was so worried. Like, what? what what's about to happen? Like they're not about to kiss, <laughs> mom. Like relax. It's about to get gay. <laughs> Anne Rice was very homoerotic, and her stuff that made sense. And we'll talk about that when we do the episode. Yeah. Uh, that's one of the things I, I love about Anne Rice's writing. She's very, very gothic, and I like gothic. And um. Talk more about the vampire lore than I'm into. Um, so, yeah, we've got some exciting things coming up. As for plugs, 
Um, um, it's easiest to go to my link tree, uh, which is uh, linktr.ee slash candy the final girl. I try to keep that easy. I've got a million fucking links underneath it. Um, to our Twitter, which if you want to just skip the link tree and go straight there, uh, our Twitter is growing and growing and growing. Um, it's at house underscore screams. Uh, and I do almost all of our promos on uh, my main Instagram, Candy the Final Girl. Um, I also have, I just made an appearance on YouTube uh, in on Sledgehammer Horror, um, talking about my first horror film um, in a continuing series on that. So please check that out. Um, and then also I'd like to, you know, of course, plug Eric and I's Makeup Lane, Final Girl Cosmetics US. Shout out to all of our friends and um, all of our fans who are just so supportive and wonderful. And, um, you know, the friends we have yet to have on, um, the friends we have yet to meet. Um, very excited for all those things. Um, we also, you know, Action Drunkies are on there, of course, representing my bros here. Um, we're missing tonight. We're missing Nico. We're missing Erica. Um, missing everybody who's not here, but um, we'll be back. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I'm just going to leave it simple like that. Um, you, Candy pretty much covered everything. Um, <laughs> I try. But shout out to uh, everybody who couldn't be here tonight and uh, to all the fans listening. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter, Shaun of the Dead. Um, and that's that's all I got. Okay, now you're up to bat, Rob. <laughs> I, took, I took it easy on you. I've been doing it first. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> um, uh, of course, uh, just check out my link tree uh, at linktr.ee slash the cinema drunkie, uh, where you find links to action drunkies, uh, this show. Um, also, uh, my brother Mikey A. Hands over at uh, Atkins Undisputed, uh, Max uh, Twitch, uh, Twitch, um, and every, everything on uh, my Twitter, Action Drunkies Twitter, Max Twitter, this Twitter. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm forgetting something. I know I am. I know I am. I know I am. I know. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, everything. Just check out my link tree. Everything's on there. And uh, of course, uh, always shout out to Mike over at uh, Atkins Undisputed, as well as Michael Cook over at Hit Rewind, uh, Lindsay at uh, Schlock and All, Daniel over at uh, Cobwebs Podcast, uh, Matt Bledsoe at uh, the Film Feast Podcast, Ron over at uh, Film Strip Podcast, and uh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> oh 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 and uh wrath of state uh my jason oh, yeah. Yeah, right? yeah yeah so that's it that's it throat punch game my romero podcast is going to be coming up but in a longer time period than i thought um i've got too much going on and of course house of screams is my priority and i try to keep i, I keep us so busy and i'm so busy recovering it's going to be a while <laughs> so uh so it's going to be a minute but it's going to happen um uh, Dave, what do you got? Yeah, I don't have a link tree, but if I did, it would just be links to all your all's link trees. So <laughs> just eliminate the middleman. Um, uh, uh, Nico and Erica, miss them. It's not the same without them. I, I, I like that Erica's stuck in an airport and she's just complaining about the shitty selection of beer. Which is, I, thought was, <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. Um, miss them both. And this poor yeah. girl's going to fly out here on Thursday. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're gonna have to get her some fucking good beer because otherwise, yeah. you know, could well, be a little grumpy. Right, when she gets to tell her and take her out to dinner. That's gonna be fun. We're really excited. Me and Crystal are really excited about coming out. Yeah, this gonna be great. Really excited to to uh, go. I'll, I'm I'm gonna have a good time. That's like um, 
a positivity statement, I'm saying. Yeah, no, nah, put it out there, girl. You're going to have a good time. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Dealing with, I'm trying to wrap my head around dealing with being disabled, and um, I think I'm making progress. <laughs> One day to come. Yes. yes. That's, that's, that's how we get through it, yeah. I used to watch that show. <laughs> love, love that show. Had, yeah, I did, yeah, yeah, love that show. Schneider. Can live by. Yeah, Schneider. Schneider. With a, um, you know, sobriety or anything. It's just, just good tips for life. Um, sort of like Buddhism or some shit. Yeah. Um, simplify everything. Um, Mac, what do you got? Uh, as always, I'll just be simple. Thank the fans for listening. Love all you guys. Miss being on. Uh. Look out for me and my brother over here, the Action Drunkies. He's got the Wrath of Statham going on. Mikey Eight Hands. Larry, we see you, bro. And yeah, uh, All-Star Animes. Keep on We're, to listen for it. Looking forward to it. I can't wait to be on there and talk about my, my bit oh, of Oh, no. I, 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 I'm excited for Sailor Moon. Oh, I can't I'm listening to the theme song, and I'm like, yo, bro, this song is so fire. We'll get into that. That's my jam. We'll get into that. <laughs> like moonlight. Uh, bro, like, who's winning love by daylight, man? Like, come on, man. That's my shit. We actually listen to that song. I do we all have, the time. It's in my anime playlist. Anime playlist. Ready, Steady, Go from Full Metal Alchemist is the best song, It's though. in my anime playlist. I got some Attack on Titan, some Dragon Ball Z, a little they bit got, of everything. They got some fucking jams. Like, Yo, my wife is like, you really making me listen to this shit when we're like, <laughs> on a car ride? She's like, you don't even understand what the fuck they're saying. I, don't, like, I, I don't, but I know content. I went to the doctors like I went yesterday to have an adjustment on my morphine drip. And like to get me like calm and, and like positive feeling, we put on Ready, Steady, Go from Full Metal Alchemist. So that's my like getting a hype song. Like, okay. I feel calmer, I feel happier, I feel better. I'm going to get through this. See, I can relate with your wife because there was a phase where my daughter was listening to video game raps. Oh, oh I do it all the time. And and she every time it. every time she'd get in the car, she'd play the same damn Minecraft rap song. Oh, and I'm just Lord. like, I can't, I can't fucking do it. I don't know the first thing about Minecraft anyway, <laughs> but I don't want to hear somebody fucking rap about it. I, I have a playlist of like yeah, 150 good songs. Good rapping, like good, good good rapping would have saved it but it was bad and and it just it was all the time and you know it was just like oh god oh god can i get through this can i get through this you know it was hard it was hard times yeah no my wife doesn't she doesn't appreciate it <laughs> I am i the only one old enough to remember parappa the rapper no oh, no punch it's all in the mind if you want to test me did you yeah, that was check good the shit. signal on the left? I, should, I used to play that all the time. <laughs> That's some good shit. That was some good shit. Very good times. Um, on that note, uh, yeah, great show. Um, yeah. This was a nice, yes, yes. intimate. We got to get deep in there and then veer off into karaoke, which I love. I'm never going to be mad about that. Anytime you I mean, guys want to start singing, you cut the episode, I'm fucking things. there. Never no, going to no, give you up. Okay, never going to let you down. Yeah. We need to do an episode where I'll just drink and sing. I think that needs that needs to be an episode. Never gonna make you cry. I'm down for that. Never gonna say goodbye. No, we're gonna we're all gonna sing. We're gonna we're all gonna sing. We built this city. Recorded and then he kissed me for you and then like deleted it. Hmm. Your song. Then he kissed me. You know how many times I recorded it. I was recording it for you and then I would delete it. So I've done it like five times, and I'm like, I actually got to just send it to him. 
And and Dave, I'm with you. I think some Saturday night we should all just hop on here and just get I'm drunk. With it. I'm yeah, with it. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and just record it and just. If you guys want to be out saying like that, okay. Nah, you don't yeah. even know. Let me get a few I'm, drinks. I'm not I'll... trying to talky, but like I do have a lot of training. Let's go. I'm with you. No, I'm a, I'll, I'll get drunk and video me playing bass on Rock Band on We Built This City. Y'all be impressed. Yo, if you put well, the, the vocals down. You doing Wilson Phillips was um, entertaining. That was so <laughs> great. Phillips. And I have no memory of recording or posting <laughs> you were that. So drunk. I woke up the next day and I'm like, oh shit. On for one more day, and I'm like, oh my god, why that song? Could you like do, like Sweet Child of Mine or some shit like a day? Like be a little edgier day. Because I'm on. comfortable with my feminine side. I mean, nobody's saying like you can't be. I mean, I'm comfortable with my feminine side, but I can't do Wilson. Oh, fuck that shit. Shit, I'm gonna go oh, play it right now. Yeah, as soon as we done, I'm gonna go play it right fucking right there. No, no. Yeah, that, that, that and then I'm gonna do some Liz Fair. I'm gonna do some fucking Liz Fair. Oh, oh God, yes, give it to me. I can do Liz Fair. Wait, so you running a real bass? Because I know rock band, you could run a real guitar, right? No, that's Rock Smith. You're thinking. Uh, you're thinking of rock that is Smith. Rock Smith. Yeah. Okay. Which I tried, and it's too hard. Here, I think it is too hard, but I think if you're gonna learn, that's probably a good way to try to learn. Yeah, I just want to get drunk and jump around. It's good for practicing <laughs> your fingering because that's the hard, one of the hardest parts. Um, I mean, I know other things that are good to practice for fingering. Yeah. Oh, my God. See, I was hoping, I was hoping he wouldn't, but he did. So. He walked right into it. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, right that's all right. Right into it. Uh, he hip checked us like Mark. She set I that up. I, I had to knock it down. I got a, I got a, I got a Seinfeld bass line just for that. Yeah. Yes. All right. So same time next week, more vampire talk. And Erica will be here. So it's going to be the three of us. Oh my God! Really? Yeah. Yeah. She's Erica's flying in Thursday, so she'll be here Thursday night. Oh, nice. All right, guys, we're going to record. Oh, I wish we were coming in Thursday night too. Shit. She's flying into here. We're we're leaving early Friday morning to get out to my apartment. And then we were going to meet for dinner Friday night or whatever, and then Saturday's the event. So you know. Ready to fucking do this? I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there. We're excited. So we need to actually exchange real cell phone numbers. Um, some I have Erica's number. Uh, has other people's numbers, so we all need to make sure so we can keep in contact, you know, texting and knowing locations and, and nudes. N- oh, I'm all. <laughs> yo, you might get some Hershey kisses. Don't be mad. No, I got, I'm gonna get some milk nuds. There you are. I got some stylish ones. Oh yeah, it's gonna be great. <laughs> I might actually really see my boobs. No, I'm kidding. No, nobody. He doesn't even get to see my boobs. Are you kidding? She shows the cats her boobs. I believe it all the time, but like actual boobies, you gotta really, really be smooth. Nah, uh, I'm a, uh, I'm Which a I'm savage. I'm, <laughs> so he doesn't get to see my boobs. I'll just lift <laughs> up her, I'll just lift up my wife's shirt and be like, all right. Uh, I'm so uncomfortable right now. Dude, I don't want to fucking hear that, man. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just fucking with you guys. Oh my god. God, and we're sober. Yeah, come on. Why are you being such a prude, bro? Oh, I was talking about you, motherfucker. I don't yeah, want to sit, know, there <laughs> sit there like, hey, Anne Marie, come here. <laughs> no, I, don't <laughs> even, I don't even draw attention to it. I just do it. <laughs> That's the way you do it. Surprise her. I walk around with my tits out all day long, so it don't. Oh, I know, yeah. The, yeah, the, 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 the nipple. I don't understand why men can show their nipples and we can't. Like, why are, why are we sexualizing? I mean, I not? agree with you on no, that. No, no, men, no, men shouldn't. <laughs> as long as like guys gotta cover their dicks so you cover your box 
That's why I have this really awesome farmer tan because I will not take my shirt off in public. Really? I'll take my shirt off. No, let you, let you I, respect, I respect off. that. <laughs> and I've got the tiniest. I don't know how many good, good boobies Dave, Dave. Having had two kids, my boobs are pretty good. Dave, don't continue that sentence, please. I've got the I've got the tiniest nipples. I had girls comment on it in the middle of the after like, wow, you got tiny nipples. I'm like, thank you. Can we? Yeah. They're really small. Yeah, yeah, like yo, wait, wait, wait. I get complaints about my nipples all the time being too small. I didn't even know that was a thing. It's a thing, brother. Yeah. Conversate when you're having sex. Is that a thing? Yeah, Stacey used to complain about like, oh, you got the littlest nipples. I'm like. What the fuck is big deal about that? <laughs> is that I don't really know. Like, thing? like girls care about guys' nipples? Yeah, apparently. Yeah, care. Like size-wise, like tic tacs and shit. <laughs> like I, I didn't like like how big are my nipples supposed to fucking be? Like, <laughs> That's what, that was just, my question. I, I don't give a shit. They just there. Size all the time. And it's like, when you got big titties, you got big areola. And they're like, that's gross. And I'm like, I don't have fake boobs. So, like, they're real. And that's what they look like. God damn. Got a problem, motherfucker? Yo, I'm with you on that. I take my shirt over and don't give a fuck. Seat is fat. Yeah, yeah. See, 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 like, you used to. I got rules. See, like, y'all used to seeing Mac with the shirt on. You go to his crib and shit. That nigga don't give a fuck. Oh, shit. Even if we I'm go to the pool, with nobody I don't wear a shirt in the pool. I don't want to see. I don't look Fuck in the mirror. I was a lifeguard, shirt off at the pool. People were like, how are you saving people? And then I saved their kid, and they're like, ah, I see. Tonight I'm rocking actual pants, though. I got my Tales from the Crypt EC Comics pants. Oh, sharp. Yeah, they're nice. They're really soft. They're And they're <laughs> men's pants, so they have pockets, which is really important to a woman. Where, where? This is the actual ending. So, yeah, everybody, it's been so fun. I can't wait for more Vampire Talk next week. Of Fire. course, I'll be talking to you in chat. Um, everybody, thanks for listening. Uh, love you, too. And um, have a good night. Love you. Love you, guys. Good night. Good night, good night, good night folks. Good night. No farting. <laughs>